Yeah. Can I um tell can I call you back in about half hour? I'm just finishing off this that podcast thing. Um the megabus. <laughs> megabus the Ritz one. Alright, I'll speak to you later. Okay. Good evening. I'm the Paul Vault. And I'm not actually a real sport. I'm just a hobby. <laughs> Good evening. I'm the pole vault and I'm like fishing in reverse. Close your eyes and relax. Feel the tension leave your body. Turn off your mind and tell me about your first experience of car phrases. Car phrases. Where do I begin? Some moments transcend memories and they become real places that invisibly float around your life like floor plans for new build houses. They exist as blueprints to the original source of the emotion you felt at the time. I have a lot of these that spin around my head like Saturn's rings and one of them is set in France in 1997. It smells of hot chocolate, croissants, miniature cigars and it's about me, a postman and his son doing car phrases at 5am as the morning sky percolates itself through the serrated edges of the night. I know it was 1997, not because I kept a diary or anything, but because it was the year In It For The Money by Supergrass came out. That meant I was 15 years old at the time. I was in France with the Ronda School's rugby team and we were there for some tournament. It was one of those things where we didn't stay in a hotel for the duration of our stay, but we stayed, you know, with the families of boys we were playing against. Well, when I say we, I mean everyone apart from me. When we arrived at the local rugby club in France, my mates were all met by families and their rugby playing children. With hugs, handshakes and kisses, they were whizzed away into the night in glistening Peugeot's or Citroëns. I was the last one there apart from our coach. He waited with me saying I could stay at the same hotel as him if nobody turned up. So I sat on the steps outside the rugby club listening to Supergrass and I was thinking about, you know, how I could brag the next day before the game about my own hotel room and I, I pictured myself walking to the, the stadium with a big dressing gown on full of free biscuits. I was lost in my daydreams and I almost didn't notice the tiny yellow van that came spluttering across the gravel car park. I heard the engine and the gnashing of tyres over my headphones. It skidded to a stop and a large man emerged like a bouncy castle turret being pumped up long after the party had ended. He threw his cigarette, which was still lit, back inside the van and walked in our direction. Bonjour, bonjour, Jimmy, he asked, pointing at me. My coach burst out laughing and said, yes, that is Jimmy indeed. He introduced me to the local postman and then left me alone with this giant of a man whose moustache looked like an otter doing a backstroke across the river. Hello, Ion. I got chewing gum in my mouth. That's rude. It's hard to chew gum and drive a bus at the same time but hello good evening welcome to the mega bus to the ritz i did have something written down something funny to call everybody on the mega bus what was it what did i write um oh, let's have a look i've got so much stuff written at the moment it's just it's just crazy it's getting out of hand ah here we are good evening mega busticles was that worth the wait? I don't know. What a week it's been, though. Um, I've made a crazy decision, like I often do. Just well, it's it kind of something that's nibbled away at me, like a mouse nibbles away at cheese. Basically, let me, let me tell you what happened. Right, uh, seven years ago, 
I made a bet with an Englishman in a pub in Wales, which is never a good idea. Uh, I made a bet that whatever the points difference was in the game between Wales and England in the Six Nations, I would run it in miles. Now, I'd had a few pints. I was feeling all, you know, I was feeling macho. I was feeling like I could take anything on. But deep down, I thought it was going to be like three, four, five, six, maybe seven points in it maximum. I did not expect Wales to win by 27 points. Needless to say, I woke up with a hangover and I didn't run. And then like a day of not running became a year, a year became two. And the next thing you know, it's seven years later and I'm still yet to run that 27 mile thing. I don't even know what to call it. It's, just, it's a bit more than a marathon. So just I'm still yet to run the 27 miles. But I've decided enough's enough, right? Enough's enough. I've changed, I've become a better person, it's time to do it, so me and my good friend Matthew Phillips, everybody knows him as the bull because he's like the strongest runner in the world, we are going to do it together in Flanathley, January, the, not January, that's crazy, February, February the 22nd, we are going to run, uh, it's a Saturday, we're going to run Flanathley Park Run together. And then rather than finishing, we're going to keep on going through the finish line, keep going to North Dock, and we will run laps continu continuously around there. So it's just over a kilometre loop, so we will just keep on running until we make up. I think we need to make up about 22 miles by the time we get there. Um, the thing is that people just join in. We'll do it for charity. I'll be filming it. You know, it, It's going to be a good laugh. as Well, as much of a laugh as running 27 miles can be. So that is the 22nd of February. I would love it if you're listening to this and you want to come down and just get involved for a few laps. Please do it. Uh, training this week. What's been happening? Well, I bought a book on stretching and I've done a bit of stretching before my running. I've, I've learned the static stretching isn't the best. So I've been doing some dynamic warm-ups and I'm telling you now, right, I really, I've really felt a difference. I felt an improvement, particularly by doing calf raises. And as you'll find out throughout this course of the, this, ep, this week's episode, um, certain things just trigger memories and those memories play out in my mind like a movie. And when I started doing these calf raises, it just reminded me of something that I kind of, I think I forgot or something that I just hadn't thought about for a long time. So that is the, the basis of this podcast today is what came to mind as I did those car phrases. But they, they've made a real big difference. I, I'm feeling like I've done a few fast runs this week as well as a longer stuff. And I'm just, yeah, really feeling that's part of the dynamic stretching. So something I'm putting into my routine right now Um, because I, I just... I don't know. I, I don't feel like I'm reaching my potential yet. I feel like I'm kind of, by not stretching, I'm running in this little, I'm putting myself in a little matchbox and I can't get it out. And I just I just feel like I need to just break out of like kind of the limits I've set myself by maybe not doing more than just running. So that's where I'm at at the moment. And I did this thing on Thursday, no, Friday. I did my first 10 miler run before work in a long time. I, I can't remember the last time I ran 10 miles before work. I got a feeling it might have been in the summer. And it, it was cool because like I, I left the house. It was dark. It was just, I think it was just gone six o'clock. And I kept running. I, I ran where the streetlights were for a bit. And then I thought about going kind of around the back of Mahanis Golf Club. And it, it was weird, right? Because I was running towards there. So I was still on the well-lit pavements. And I was thinking, right, if I go right here, I'm really taking a gamble. There's no lights. Like, will will the sunrise by the time I get to the darkest parts of that path. I was looking at the sky and you could really see like in the distance, 
to my left it was it was getting blue but where i was going it was really dark and i know i love putting these like little philosophical spins on stuff but when i stepped into the darkness i realized that when you're out running or you can you can apply it to anything right but you are in no like how can i say this Wherever you are at that moment is the darkest place you can be. So whatever, as long as you're moving, it will get lighter. And that's how it felt to me. I thought it's going to get darker as I as I keep on running down this path. But it didn't. It got lighter and lighter. And it was just an amazing loop. And I, I felt totally energized all day. So those 10-mile runs are going to be part of my thing before work as much as I can do them, really. Um, and I'm just, yeah, you know, just really feeling the benefits of running further. So that's what I've been doing this week. A mega busticles. I hope you don't mind me calling you that. Well, it's kind of affectionate. We're all friends now. We've, we've been on a bus a lot. This is our seventh, seventh week together. It's crazy. In the van, after he picks up the cigarette from the football and relights it, I attempt to speak to a little French I know. He keeps saying, it's okay, all is good, scary monsters, super creeps. After he says this a few times, I ask him, ah, David Bowie, is that why you keep saying scary monsters, super creeps? Ah, yes, Bowie, he says. He pops a cassette in the car stereo and Ashes to Ashes comes on. I listen to the Scary Monsters album at home enough times with my dad to know that that song follows a title track. He must have been listening to it on his drive to pick me up. As the first chorus kicks in, he offers me a cigarette. I decline, despite the fact that my hero Gaz Coombe smokes constantly. He lights another one up for himself and winds down the window. I sit there in silence as we speed down dark country lanes, the moon looking blue and unusual, like the synth sounds in that song. Fashion comes on next, and as the song fades out, the postman keeps turning up the music, keeps making it louder and louder so the song seems to never end. He stretches the music out like plasticine. Eventually it snaps, and we park up outside a house in the middle of nowhere. Sit, he says, and pops himself out of the postman and walks towards the house. I take the time alone to look around me. The glove compartment is full of Bowie cassettes. The back of the van has some letters, rugby balls and a dog bowl. Come, come, the postman calls me from the doorstep of the house. I walk towards him and I can hear music. There's a party going on. It's that time on the mega bus where the air is rich with the smell of Ginster's pasties. Everybody's discussing the fact that salt and vinegar crisps goes with tuna mayo sandwiches and I'm quietly stepping into a time machine <laughs> while driving the bus with nobody noticing. Let's talk about this time last year. This time last year, I did the Slatty Half Marathon. That was my first race in eons. I, the sun had definitely... No, the sun doesn't do anything. The sun stays where it is. The earth had definitely gone around the sun a few times since I did my last race. And I did the 30 half marathon. It was amazing. Um, some key memories are from that are it's frustrating when you run with a group of people and they're all got their watches set to the to like mile notifications and you're on kilometers. That's that that's trippy. Um, running a half marathon is a bit like speed dating. You run with a group for a little bit, decide it's not a few, then move on to the next one until you get slower and everybody goes past you. But no, seriously. I think, like, I, I entered that race last minute. I, I, it was a bit of a, I did a bit of a naughty thing where I didn't run under my own name. I would never do that again. And I don't recommend you do it. A, because it's, it's really naughty. And B, because you just, like, you, you shouldn't be naughty. You're running. It's, it's not a naughty thing. But uh, a friend of mine was doing it, and he couldn't do it. And he asked me at the last minute, do you want it? There's a space there. Get involved. And I could see the start line from my house. So, I you know, I of course I was going to do it. And that just... That just made me realise like I wasn't just I was 
running for more than just jogging. Like it was more than just losing weight. It was just, I don't know. It just, I don't know. What am I trying to say? You know what? You know what happened. You know you you know what happens. If you listen this far, you you know about the journey when I went on last year. But that really kickstarted with that half marathon, and that really gave me like a taste for racing, but not from like a competitive edge because I I'm really. I know some people find this hard to believe, but I'm really not competitive with running anymore. The, the only person I'm competitive with is myself. I mean, I've stood on the start line, like I've said, I've, I've done world champs, European champs, stuff like that, British champs. And I, I'm not, I'm not competing with anybody. It's, it's, it's genuine. I want everybody to do well at running. So, but it gave me a taste for like little things like just handing your bag in before a race. I enjoyed that. Um, standing on your shoes while you took your trousers off. I got a buzz out of that. So, that that's it just opened that up. That be, it became more than just training for the sake of it. It was nice to have those goals, which is ironic because I haven't really entered any races this year. I still haven't en- entered that thirty miler because I think the person I'm running with is might not be doing it, so I'm holding off until he confirms. But I need to enter um, the race for victory in Cardiff that five k. I would need to do the Cardiff ten k again because I love that and the Swansea ten k. So there's things I need to enter and I need to just. Not wising up, I'm, I'm already in a better position than I was this time last year, but I need to start thinking about races. Uh, so yeah, Clatley Half Marathon was last year, fantastic experience. I wanted to run an hour 30, and I, oh my, oh my word, I can't even remember where I ran. Yeah, I ran about hour 29, I think. I think I just made it, lost a toenail. I've now got three stamps on my loyalty card, running loyalty card, as in I've lost three toenails since I started running again. It makes me feel great, um, just that weird dead toe feeling you can't beat it so yeah slightly half marathon this time last year and this year it got postponed and i still have i haven't entered it so if i don't know i what am i gonna do i can't run it i haven't entered it i need to just get over it um but i would like to run it but it, it's been postponed this year because of um storm chiara which honestly like fair play to them for making a call on tuesday about cancelling cancelling that race on a sunday that was hell of a shout because on Friday and Saturday, <laughs> it was like glorious blue skies, and you you thought that's a crazy call to to to, n- to not have that race. But yeah, Sunday was horrific in Tlaxi. It was it was it was wild. Um, so yeah, I mean it was so windy. I was brushing my teeth, and my teeth fell out. So <laughs> what? Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something else. Oh yeah. So, so what? Anyway. Let's just forget I was trying to say something. Let me just mention something. I lost my Aftershock headphones this week and I'm absolutely devastated. It's generally like the night before I lost them, I was thinking about how much I love them and I can't imagine running without them. And I went for a run. It was my fault. I kind of took them half off my head to do a stupid video and they fell off. They fell off. I kind of wish my head had just fallen off instead. I could live with that. That would be easier to live with. But my headphones have gone. I need to... Just really gutted because I got them as part of that thing um, that they did like an um, they did a promotion and so Harry Jones gifted them me and it was part of a promotion like just thanking people for the work they did for running and I it, it was, so it had sentimental value and I loved them and I'm gutted about that so there we are I've been in a time machine and then suddenly the time machine brought me to the present day and it dragged all my worries and concerns with it so now I'm just a nervous wreck driving this bus I'm worried where my headphones gone I need to save money to buy a new pair why didn't I enter the 30 half marathon it's my hometown half marathon what am I thinking but don't worry my eyes are back on the road I'll get you to the Ritz in one piece we walk down a long corridor 
There's nothing soft in the house at all, no carpet on the stairs or floor. Light bulbs hang from the ceiling with no shade, stretching our shadows out before us as though they've been sucked into an antimatter Dyson. At the end of a corridor I can hear talking and music. I really have no idea what to expect. I keep thinking about my teammates who must be sleeping by now. I know this isn't the postman's house because I've scanned all the photos on the walls and he's not in any of them. He pushes open the door at the end of the corridor and introduces me to everyone as Major Tom. That gets a big laugh, but I'm too busy trying to work out why everyone is so beautiful. It seems so out of place for the house. The otter on the postman's lip twitches as he laughs at his own joke. A lady hands him a glass of wine that's bigger than my head and I watch it sail into his grasp like a boat in the harbour. I realised then that he was probably drinking from this glass an hour or so ago when he remembered he had to pick me up. He finishes the glass with a thirsty gulp and then does the same with a refill. Wiping his mouth with his sleeve, he asks me to follow him. We walk down a dark avenue of trees towards a shed that's leaning against the night like a racing trapezium or a buffalo made of pallets. Inside, we load our arms up with boxes of wine and without saying goodbye, we pack them in the back of his van and drive off again into the night. After a few miles, I think the alcohol reaches the postman's brain because he asks me to change gears while his heavy right leg rests on the accelerator. He lights another cigarette, winds down his window and laughs at the moon while I frantically change gears like I'm mashing potatoes at sea during a storm. I've got a few questions this week, so let's do a quick fire question round where I am both the quiz master and the answer master. Is that even a thing? Let's go. Have you found stretching has made a difference? I never bother and often run 15 plus miles. Uh, I would say, oh, this is not very quick at all, is it? I would say in the past, I didn't really feel that stretching was necessary, but as I'm getting older and I'm kind of curling, like my head is curling more towards my feet and I'm turning into like a human armadillo, I feel a need to stretch. I'm so, I never really struggled with injuries before, but I, I just keep picking up these little pains, you know, and I'm, I'm getting sore. And so I've made a conscious effort. I spent money on a book. I'm reading it like it's a novel and I'm working out how I can stretch and just, it's just I, I just don't want to have these problems that I keep getting with, like my foot is sore, my bum cheek is sore. So I'm stretching and this is week one of it and I'm noticing a difference already. So there we are. That's the answer to that question. Next question. Do you wear leggings under your shorts yet? No, because my ass should be celebrated. Simple answer. I just I just feel like I should celebrate my bum. It's it's okay. It's okay. It's kind of like two of my faces gaffer taped together and then stuck on top of my legs at the back of my body. <sighs> what? <laughs> I need some water. That was crazy. That was just such a crazy stream of consciousness that made my mouth dry. How do you cope when injured? Are you glad of the break or itching to get back to it? strange one because well it's not strange that's a perfectly normal question it's, it's strange as in i haven't really had an injury that's made me stop apart from i guess like a lifestyle injury i had a lifestyle injury for a few years where i i just couldn't stop partying so that i guess that was that put me out of action for a while how do i feel when that happened i wasn't itching to get back because i thought i was living my best life what a fool I was. But now, like, say I got injured now, I would be devastated. I really would. I wouldn't know what to do. I think my head would go. I'd go to the gym and and train there, but I just don't think it would replace running or not even replace it. I don't think it would give me the feeling that running gives me. So um, 
I haven't had to cope with it yet. I, I get like lots of pains and I train through them um, and I take breaks whenever I feel necessary. Like at the moment, I'm still taking my two days off a week, which I'm I'm loving. I think I will I will go back to one day off at the moment, but the two days a week off is, is great. And that does make me want to get out and run a lot more. So yeah, I'm, I'm terrified of getting injured and that's why I'm doing everything I can to avoid it. But if I did, um, I don't know, I don't know, I would probably go to Turkey, have a have a cheap hair transplant and wear Hawaiian shirts until I got better. Uh, next question, what's your dream race? My dream race would be a figure of eight track in the sky uh, and I would run that, but that's not realistic. I'd like to do a marathon, I really would. I entered the ballot for London and wasn't successful. They're missing out there. They are missing out there. I think London needs me to run it, but I think something like, I, I really love New York. The times I've been there, um, with bands in the past and gigged, I, I just love the city. So I'd love to do a New York marathon. But I think, yeah, any any type of marathon, just, just get in a position where I can run it. That would be like a dream race. Uh, next question. How do you balance training and family life? Um, I wake up before my family. That's how I do it. I get up while they're all sleeping. So uh, that that's how I do it. I mean, it is tough. It is tough. So it's kind of... you. I find that with a family, your running has to bookend your days. So if you imagine a bookshelf with loads of books, your family are all those books, and they, it, unless they got like ballast on one side or the other, it's just going to topple over and get too much for you. So if I start at the morning, I'm kind of like bookending it that way, or if I go really late at night. So it's kind of I I don't get to enjoy midday runs, and you know I don't run at my leisure, which is kind of cool because. I, I prefer running either first thing or later at day, later at day, later at night. Okay, do <laughs> right. This I know this. This question's off my wife. Do you incorporate yoga in your regime? She's on my case for me to do yoga. Um, she's got a yoga mat, and you know she does it. But I, I do need to get involved in it. I really do. I, I, I know so many people who are doing it, and they, they tell me about the benefits. So I will incorporate yoga. I promise. I promise you. How do you fuel your long runs? Uh, this, right, I read Born to Run last year by, the name escapes me. The name has just flown up my brain like a moth out of a glass. The name escapes me. But I read that, uh, oh, Chris McDougall, Chris McDougall. I read Born to Run and there's a drink in there that he says these tribes, men and women drink in Mexico. It's basically chia fresca, which is water with chia seeds honey and a squeeze of lime you make it the night before i put it in a jam jar shake it up put it in the fridge and i drink that in the morning i find that gives me enough go to run for a long time i've also started experimenting with energy gels because i would probably well not probably i would definitely need those for the 27 miler so i'm experimenting with uh, fuel for the longer runs but i'm quite partial to carrying a banana around in front of my shorts a because it looks good and b because it tastes great that's, that's odd um what's the next one? Oh, do swans get seasick they do get seasick but their necks are so long that the sick never leaves their body it just goes it just goes up and down their necks there are that's all the questions done um let's wrap it up because it's it's quite uh i don't know it's quite a an experimental journey on the megabus this evening you know it's um i like to I, I i think about it a lot when i'm out running i think what am i going to talk about so i feel like i've thrown you a bit of a curveball this week i hope it's successful i hope i get to at least number six in the charts i think that's my highest position so far so i hope it's successful i'm sure lots of you will let me know if it's not i mean i had some guy tell me i should buy a pop shield 
thank you very much. That's that's very creative feedback. What good's a pop shield when you're not running? But yeah, let me know how it goes if you if you're feeling it. I, actually, no, actually, don't let me go. Don't let me know how it goes. Just listen to it and just keep quiet about it. But please spread the word like you're continuing to do. That is it for episode seven on Mega Buster Ritz. I'm gonna drink some water because my mouth is very dry. I might have another chewing gum. It's late. It's nearly midnight. I've left it to the last minute again. Happy running, running punks. Love you all. Catch you soon. We somehow make it back to his house in one piece. The van stalling on his driveway as I failed to find first gear. I'm exhausted after a day of travelling, but my host insists I give him a hand moving the wine boxes into his garage. When that's done, he fills up the dog bowl with water, whistles and leaves it on the floor by his van. I don't see or hear a dog, but by that point I just figure I'm living with a madman for a week, and any hope I have of playing well at this tournament should just be forgotten now. I'll probably spend the rest of my life stealing wine and changing gears in the dark. I check my watch, it's gone midnight by the time I get to bed. I fall asleep for what feels like a nanosecond when I'm woken up by what I assume is the postman's son. It's 5am and I follow him into the kitchen. His father is there in his postman uniform chopping a fist-sized tomato. He puts the slices in a bowl, drizzles them with olive oil and says breakfast. Eat them up and they're delicious. I've never tasted a tomato like it. Next he fills up a bowl with hot chocolate and hands it to me with two croissants. It's the best goddamn breakfast I've ever had. Lighting a cigarette, each the postman and his son step outside and do a few minutes of car phrases as the sky turns blue. It's the strangest thing I've ever seen, but I join in with them. Later that morning, after doing a post-run with them both, I have the game of my life. The postman watches from a hill in the distance, his moustache galloping under his nose like a wild horse. He shouts, go Major Tom, whenever I get the ball, and I blast off for the try line at every opportunity I get. So there we have it. That's my earliest memory of car phrases. I always think of the mad French postman when I do them.